We here at Stormdar Weather work hand-in-hand with the National Weather Service and other professional weather service agencies as a Weather Ready Nation ambassador. We are avid weather enthusiasts who have studied the likes of Mother Nature for over 30 years. The purpose of this podcast is to provide weather information, facts, and trivia in a manner that is entertaining and easily understood by everyone. Well, hello, and welcome back to the Stormdart Weather Podcast. This is episode 278. I'm Rando, and Corey is working late at Silver Dollar City, so I've got a returning guest. Thank you for joining us again, Gary. Uh, You're very welcome. Yay. Glad to be here. Well, you know, the, the title of this podcast is Wow, What a Storm. Now, unfortunately, you slept through it. Well, yeah, I was uh, sound asleep. (laughs) (laughs) And I got to say, I've lived here in this house since 1999. And I think this little storm that went through is probably one of the worst that we've had here in Branson. Uh, How did it compare to the February 29th tornado? Uh. Not as bad, but not as bad. Be- see, the thing about it is, the tornado when it went through. I mean, it did damage and it it did knock out power for for a while. I I mean, that's the number one. But this one was pretty. I mean, we've had severe weather come through, and you remember the one? Uh, what was it? Two weeks ago or something that mm-hmm. knocked out the power for ten hours. Oh yeah, it came through, and the wind blew, and then it kind of went on. Yeah. This one did not. Now, I got to fill in all the blanks because you were sawing logs in there, and I was, like, freaking out going, oh, my gosh, what is going on? <laughs> um, but what happened, uh, basically, it was it, what we call an MCV. You know what that's called? No. Okay, a mesoscale convective vortice. In other words, it's a, a broad area of low pressure. Kind of, well, no, it's kind of a narrow uh, area of low pressure spinning, and it's just like a miniature cold front. I mean, when you have a big low and then you have the comma with the big cold front and everything, well, an MCV is just a small version of that. And so it swung through, and we saw it coming. And from Kansas City, it's like, okay. So then all of a sudden, the I think I was in Springfield, or I wasn't at home, and suddenly we were under a severe thunderstorm watch till like 1 a.m. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, what's going on? And then I looked at radar, and then it, it was coming down. I'm talking about the storm the other day. Um, was that Saturday? I think uh, it was Sunday. S- Sunday. And I remember okay. quite well... Seeing the big storms coming from Kansas City, right? But I figured they'd weaken before they got here. I did too. I did too because usually on the on the farthest end of the watch, that's kind of where they're thinking, okay, they're going to kind of calm down, but they're still in the threat. No, this one actually picked up. It picked up. It was it was uh, the whole thing was producing seventy to eighty mile an hour winds, which is insane to begin with. And it got it got into southwest Missouri. It went through Springfield. And I think I showed you there were two bow echoes kind of coming down. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly that northern one, which was over Springfield, kind of stalled. And, the, and the, the one to the west started swinging. And then I could see a little twist. Uh, not, not a tornado, but like a, a low pressure, like, you know, a hurricane or something. On radar, I thought, oh, okay. And I think once that happened, I even, I took a, a video. I'll show you so the that, video. So that would be the MCV. That would be the MCV, exactly. And the cold front would be that bow line that actually strengthened it went through. And radar scope was picking up 97 mile per hour gusts, 100 mile per hour gusts with this thing. Now, granted, that was not on the surface, <laughs> you know, because the radar beam does not bend with the earth. No. So it was up. Now, I know there's a, a way on radar scope to see just how high up that was, but but the whole thing, 
it was wiping out power all over the place. I mean, Joplin was losing power. Uh, uh, Aurora, didn't you say Cheryl's mom lost power? Uh, briefly. She w- oh, her, okay. her power was out briefly. Okay, well, that's good. And we just experienced a couple of weeks ago power outage. So you were long gone to bed, and I was down here. Yeah, I did a live cast. And it's like, okay, this is coming, this is coming. And I thought... If this is 80 to 100 mile per hour wind, our power is going to go out again. So I turned all the computers off. I turned all the lights off. I went up and I got in bed. This is like 1130. Because I thought if the power goes out, I'm already in bed. I'll just sleep and then it'll come on the next, you know, next morning. Well, that thing hit about 1147. Actually, Corey texted me. Corey texted me first and said, it's getting windy. And that's when the actual gust front was coming through. And I waited and it was about... No, five minutes or so came through here and I thought oh it's here and then I think I told you yesterday it's like I, I uttered those words that you shouldn't say in a storm I waited and I went oh well that's not that bad <laughs> <laughs> and about a minute after that oh my god it ramped stuff was hitting the window I thought and I was afraid that some of the trees hitting the windows, some of the rain or whatever, the debris that was flying was going to pop out my kitchen windows. It was that intense. And everybody I, everybody on Facebook was saying it's like a hurricane. The rain was going sideways. My mother said that in Springfield when it went through there. She goes, it's like a hurricane. And like three or four other people on Facebook were saying it's like a hurricane because the wind was blowing so strong and the rain was sideways. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it just straight line winds. But here's the thing that really, okay, now I wasn't scared. I think I told you I wasn't scared. I was anxious. Yes. Because I knew what was going on. I thought, okay, you know, I'm, I'm away from windows. Not really. I was kind of in, you know, in my, the bedroom. But if I was scared, I would have woken you up and we'd gone downstairs. But I wasn't scared. Right. Well, um, you knew I had to work the next day and I Hell had yeah. to get, get up really, really early to drive in. Oh, yes, that's right. So Yeah, so I, I didn't think it was going to last long. But here's the thing, and other people were saying this too. You know, like like the storm two weeks ago, it blew through, and then it kind of quit? Yeah. This one did not quit for 40 minutes. It was sustained, 40 to 50, with a gust, powerful gust. Every now and then the lights were flickering. I was like, oh, my gosh. And it did not stop. And I'm telling Corey, it's not stopping. And I looked at radar, and there's this swath of 80, 90, maybe 100-mile-an-hour gusts upstairs. I thought, wow. But you know what? Our power didn't go off. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, and it's weird because even, you know, uh, two weeks ago on Saturday, it we had nothing, and it went off for an hour. Oh, was I in Sacramento? You, yeah, you were in Sacramento. Yeah, at the you time. texted me and said our power's off again. I'm like, what? That's weird. And then, but an hour, you were it fine. Was, it was off for an hour, uh, but but a big nothing came through. I mean, it, it rained, and <laughs> yeah. there was some thunder, but it never blew. See, that's so weird. Wow. And I I, I remember telling you, you know, of all except for that tornado that went through the leap year tornado, the power doesn't really stay off that long maybe two hours at the most three hours and i mean aside from the, the rolling blackouts when they were doing that when it got so stupid cold remember oh yeah. it was out eight hours in but you know that was fine but yeah but that was 10 hours so i'm thinking great and then that when i went to sacramento it had another hour and i i think because it didn't go off because I kept thinking, okay, those those Liberty people, they probably did a reinforced transformer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? something because um, I ex- honestly I expected to see everything flashing at the very least when I got up that next morning. Oh yeah, but everything was fine. Everything was still on. And, okay. Um, okay. So okay. So it finally finished, and then I went to sleep. But then you got up. What five? Thirty five o'clock. Okay, so when you walked outside, explain to everybody what happened because you you had to leave and go. So I'm going to hand it to you. You talk. <laughs> uh, okay, so I walk out the door, go and get in the truck. First off, um, the driveway was flooded. 
big surprise. It's always flooded. And the driveway is always <laughs> flooded. Uh, but I noticed that there was quite a bit of small tree limbs with leaves attached, like you get after a thunderstorm. Yeah. You know, the normal stuff. Typical, it blew. I, yeah. I didn't really notice anything big yet. Um, I leave the driveway, start up Spring Meadows Drive, mm-hmm. and immediately I have to go around a tree in the road. <laughs> well, at the second tree in the road, I stopped and took a picture and sent it. Well, so I could send it to you later yeah, because right. I thought, what in the world? I have never seen trees down in the neighborhood before. Uh, this is strange. I get up to 76 and I'm dodging stuff on 76 as well. Wow. And this is like about 5.15 in the morning. Uh, and I get down to Branson Landing and the stoplights are off. Everything is off. Uh, it's completely pitch black all the way until I get to... Uh, Rapid Roberts at 65. <laughs> we call it Quick Bob. Right. <laughs> right. Rapid Roberts at 65 and whatever the heck that road is. Uh, Branson Landing Boulevard or Veterans uh, or whatever. Business 65. Yeah. Yeah, Business 65. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, but the gas station was off. And then when you got on 65. And then on 65, there were tree limbs on 65. Not huge ones, but... But there were tree limbs down, so traffic was moving at about 50 because nobody wanted to come across a tree in the middle of the road. No. Uh, and at that time, the sun's probably not up. No, it's still dark outside. I don't see how people can get up before the sunshine. Well, I admire people who do that. I just can't do it. <laughs> I do it every day. You're used to it. I know. That's probably why you were asleep that night. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But in any case... Um, the trip to Springfield was uneventful, but once I got into Springfield, then I saw a lot of damage again uh, with tree limbs, and I didn't see any trees down, but I did see tree limbs on sunshine. Okay. Um, and I go from 65 all the way over to Kansas Expressway, basically. Oh, okay. And... On Sunshine, I probably saw 12 to 15 tree limbs down. Pretty now, what good size. size? Yeah, okay. Uh, th- Three-inch, maybe. <laughs> Three-inch diameter. That's pretty big. Yeah, they they weren't small. Uh, and But a lot of them were parallel to the road, which meant people had moved them off of the road. That's good. So, And I wondered if they were going to do that because, I mean, if they're across the road, you can't, right. can't get anywhere. But I didn't see any power lines down at that time. So I thought, okay, well, maybe it's not as bad in Springfield as it was in Branson. Uh, But uh, after I got to work, everybody disabused me of that notion because, (laughs) um, oh, my gosh, you know, everybody was ranting and raving about the trees and tree limbs down in their neighborhoods <laughs> yeah. and the fact that their power was out and they got dressed in the dark and I'm like, hmm, wow, our power wasn't out. Yeah, for a change. <laughs> yeah. But, now, didn't you say Southwest Springfield got it really bad or something? Or? Uh, one, of the, one of the people at work said that Southwest Springfield looked like a bomb went off. Uh, which is yeah. funny because that's how you described uh, the neighborhood over by... By Maryland. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Iserman uh, Park over there. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and I, I went to play with Phil. You were gone yesterday. So, yeah, I, w- I went to play with Phil. And I, and if, if you know Branson, there's Iserman there's Road, which if you get the, the roundabout next to the the hospital, one of those is... Parnell or something, and you take a little left, and it jogs to Iserman Road, which is why the Iserman Disc Golf Course is, was named. And I turned on to Iserman, and I was going five miles an hour just looking, going, oh, my gosh. I mean, we're not talking three-inch. We're talking big trees split. We, oh, sh- yeah. we should go look after the podcast. I mean, well, seriously, well, you, you it's know, crazy. 
on the way home on Monday evening, um, I was coming up 76, headed east, and there is a huge tree that was uprooted, and I could see the root ball up against... You were telling me that. I I still haven't seen it. And you can't see it when you're going west. Because when you're going west, you come around the curve and you're past it before you see it. Okay, okay. Uh, If if we go out and check Iserman, then you point it out to me, because I still didn't. I I was out today. Yeah, and unless they've chopped it up today, uh, it was still there this morning. And you and you never, uh, I've never heard of the term root ball before. So you said that I'm like you texted it to me and go, "What in the world's a root ball?" <laughs> and then once you explained it to me, you know, in a big tree with with the roots and the whole thing coming up, that made sense at that yeah, point. Yeah, it literally uprooted the tree and the and the roots that came up with it is the root ball. It has all the dirt. Still now you're attached. talking. That's a big tree. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure. Wow. Yeah, it looks to me upon second glance this morning. I'm guessing it's between uh, five and six feet in diameter is how big oh my the tree is. Okay. Um, the root ball, I think, was bigger than that. Uh, maybe eight feet in diameter. That's insane. So. I, I, I mean, I can't even imagine that type of thing. Now, now when we're talking about... Um, okay, hang on. I'm just doing something... Right now, uh, radar scope. I called radar scope up. So, at at my house, Stormdar Rando or whatever, the beam is two thousand eight hundred feet. Yeah. So, so about let's say three thousand. So about three thousand feet in the air. So which is kind of high when you're talking atmosphere. Half mile. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so really, radar scope was picking up winds. <laughs> Of 90 and 100 miles an hour, just 3,000 feet off the, the surface. Yeah. So that would probably, in a normal situation, mix down to 75 or 80, maybe. Wow, no wonder it was it was nuts. I As long as we're talking, I keep thinking, how high is the radar beam over us? So I just had to check really quick. Yeah, well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, and, of course, it depends on the elevation that you choose on the... Oh yeah, 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 and I was, I was, I always go with tilt one. Now, if if I have a, a suspicious cell that looks like it might be turning, I'll I'll dual paint it, and with uh, with velocities on one, I'll have tilt one, and the other one, I'll have tilt two, which is a little higher up, and I can kind of see what the structure is. Yeah, uh, there. W- what we have available to us on radar scope are four tilts. It's a half degree, one and a half degrees, two and a half degrees, and three and a half degrees. So it's kind of a way we can go and look up and down the storm without, you know, it's a way to do that. Yeah, and and from experience with storm spotting, um, looking at the different tilts, if you have a suspicious uh, object on radar, you look at the different tilts. If it's consistent all the way up, you know you probably are looking at something really bad. <laughs> yeah. Then you turn on correlation coefficient and say, okay. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean because sometimes when they say radar indicated, they can go up and there's actually start rotation, but there's nothing really at the surface yet. Right. But, but like you said, that's kind of a signal that something's trying to get going. So that's why we have all this technology now, which I absolutely love that the that the Weather Service has. Well, they have like they can do any tilt, can't they? Uh, or, or, or they have more than we do. They have a lot more than you do, but I I don't know the total number of tilts that they have, and it may be infinitely variable, but I'm not sure it is. Yeah, um, I think that that would be very hard mechanically to program. You know, you're right. Because I know, I know when I was watching a, a video a long time ago, it, it'll it'll make a sweep and it'll go click, and it goes up and make it a sweep and go click up there, and then it'll go click, 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 click back down and do like another scan. Yeah. So, yeah, I wonder if that that would have to be some technology to make it actually. Yeah. That yeah. Makes sense. I, I I don't know, it, and it's and radar technology is. Upgrading all the time, right? So, 
so who knows? Who you know? knows? And and honestly, our radar in Springfield is probably not the most up to date um, compared to like what they have down in Moore, Oklahoma. Tulsa, especially Tulsa yeah. in Oklahoma City. Oh my gosh! And the the uh, in uh, the SPC, they've yes. got their own. Hey, hey, did you know that? I didn't know that they have their own radar. It's really kind of right next to the Oklahoma City radar. Yeah. And if you zoom in on radar scope, you can actually see both of them. They kind of say the same thing, but it's like, ooh, you know, SPC's got their own radar. That's kind of cool. Yeah, but at, SPC also compiles the mosaic for the entire country. So. Oh yeah. Oh okay. So there's their radar would is a slightly different function than the. Yeah. See. 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 See how smart you are? I love oh, that. yeah. So I'm, I'm brilliant. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people are also talking about, and they said, well, you know, th- this must have been a derate show. Is this a derate show? I've gotten tons of comments on that. Technically, no. Um, a derate show has criteria, and the criteria is it must, be, it must leave a f- at least a 400-mile-long path of, of damage. Number one. Number two, it must be at least 60 miles wide. And three, you have to have gusts over 74 miles an hour, which is hurricane strength. Gusts, not sustained, but gusts. So we're talking hours long, several states. This one did not do that. No. So, I mean, and, and I'm looking. If, if, even if it started in Kansas City, that we're talking about 240 miles. Oh, at most. Yeah, because I talked to a lady who um, is from Harrison, and she said, oh, it, it was nothing by the time it got down to Harrison. So okay, it had blown itself out before it got down there. Maybe she was asleep because I was still looking at... Well, the reason wins. she said there just isn't any damage down there oh, comparatively. Okay. Oh, okay. And I, so I took it to mean that it had blown itself out before it got there. Or at least, yeah, at least decreased quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, that's once it blew through us and I realized, okay, the winds are calming down. I went to sleep because <laughs> I, did, I didn't even see it. But I know Harrison was under a spirit thunderstorm warning for a while. But um, oh, uh, Another thing I noticed, they had issued a, and I, I talked to Corey about this too, they issued a severe thunderstorm warning well ahead of this line, which smart, kudos to the National Weather Service, love it when they do that. Kind of scary, because you know it's coming. <laughs> yeah. But it was for Taney, Southern Stone, Southern Berry, all the way to McDonald. It was just like this long, you know, warning, which they tend to do with Bo Echoes. And all of a sudden, I'm either doing a live cast or, or something, and I'm looking at radar, and there's another severe thunderstorm warning that showed up in southern Stone County on top of this one. I'm like, why would they issue two at once? So I, I, I texted Corey, and he said, that's strange. And, and I looked at it, and I couldn't figure out anything, but then he figured it out. The long warning from McDonald all the way to Taney was for 70-mile-an-hour gusts. The new one that they hit for Southern Stone had 80-plus mile-an-hour gusts. So there was a criteria change, which made sense after but that. But not for the entire wide area. Right. So that made total sense. But I thought it was so strange to look at that and go, why is there a severe thunderstorm warning within a severe thunderstorm warning? <laughs> you know. So anybody that thinks it's a derecho, not, we're saying no. Now, if the National Weather Service deems that it came from several states and met that criteria and they say it's derecho, we will say it's a derecho. I just don't see it being a derecho at that point. Okay. Oh, the other thing I want to talk about is the sirens. <clears throat> we still have people freaking out with the, quote, tornado sirens. And we always have to correct them. And I did a little online weather school. They are not tornado sirens they are outdoor warning sirens and they they said well our tornado sirens went off twice so there was had to be a tornado no no there's criteria for that too (laughs) and i must stress that every community will have a different slightly different tweak on this but for i think for branson because ted martin our, our fire chief i think actually put out a thing on this either 
they will fire them for greater than 70 mile an hour gusts, very large hail, like possibly two inches or, or greater, you know, very damaging, or and, obviously and, a twenty, and, and would kill you. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, if you're having a two inch hailstone going at 70 miles an hour and you're out in it, sorry, you're going to be injured. <laughs> You know, yeah. that's why I think pets and cows, like, but cows are smart enough to get under a tree. <laughs> Which isn't a great place if it's lightning. Yeah, I, well, they don't get pelted by hail. So, anyway, that's why some of the sirens were, were, were sounded. So, you heard that. It doesn't necessarily mean there's a tornado, but it means they are expecting some damaging weather. I mean, not just a severe thunderstorm, but damaging. You're going to get hurt or They're killed. They're trying to tell you. It's severe, folks. We're not kidding. We're not kidding. Yes, go inside. And and the last thing I'll say on the sirens thing, it says it in the title. They are outdoor warning sirens. We get so many so many comments. It's like, well, we didn't hear the sirens. Well, if you're inside, you may not hear them. <laughs> Correct. Which is why you should have... Uh, you can get them on your phone. Get an app on your phone for yes. weather alerts. Yes, it's, they're not hard to find. I, exactly. You know, we, we we don't say we've never said that we are the definitive weather site. No, get get different. You know, several sources of trusted weather because one may tell you one thing and one may tell you another. I mean, I mean, there's the Springfield, the TV stations, the radio stations. They're all good. Yeah. So, you know, we're not saying don't listen to them. Listen but, to them, too, but listen to us. <laughs> but, but if you do download one of those apps, be sure and tell it, okay, I don't really want the watches. Right. You can program that. Because, a weather radio. Because having it wake you up for a watch seems kind of foolish. Um, oh, yeah. or, or a flash flood warning that's going two counties away. I don't want oh, yeah. to hear that. Like even my mother, I mean, it doesn't flood. She's not in a flood area. No. You know, even it's rained six, eight inches. She doesn't flood, so she doesn't need the flood warnings. Anyway, yeah. blah, 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 blah. We're just, just talking about that. Speaking of flood, nice segue to the next little topic of interest. Um, big high-pressure system is making it hot, hot, hot. We've had heat advisories today. Uh, we'll have another heat advisory tomorrow. Temperatures are going up. I'm going to do a, a forecast grid check in a little bit. Showers and thunderstorms are riding around this big high-pressure system. They're coming in from Kansas City. Uh, but now they are focused more in central Missouri and going into south-central Missouri. And let me tell you, they've issued flood washes. They've had six to seven inches of rain already. This is before the stuff tonight is coming. So they had a flood watch last night, like central Missouri, all the way down to maybe maybe Gainesville. I don't know. It's down in central. And then I looked this afternoon. They popped another one. So another batch of thunderstorms is riding around this this perimeter, the ridge, going down in central Missouri. And I still, right now, we're recording this at 745. I still see it on radar. I wow. see more activity there. So, and that goes into St. Louis. So more flood watches. It's, I mean, six, eight, maybe might get nine inches because they're training. Oh, yeah. It's going around this ridge, so they're just training over the same areas. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, okay, heat wave, I did that. Uh, I want to list this. The normal high and low for today remains the same. We're broken record of 90 and 69. I wish it was just 90. <laughs> and it would get down to 69 at night. That would be nice. Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that, yeah, that's not going to happen. Okay, I'm looking at the flood watch. Lebanon, Rolla is in it, Jefferson City. Uh, Gainesville's not in it. So so there you go. Now I'm going to go to the forecast grid. Corey's not here. We usually do the, the model minute now. He checks the models. Uh, but since he's not here, I'm just going to read the grid now. So... Good news, Gary. I think I told you earlier, if you were listening. I might have been listening. <laughs> it looks like... I know, I talk a lot. <laughs> it looks like we're going to probably get a break from this heat. But we're going to have to endure the week, though. Okay, and by a break from the heat, you mean it's going to be in the 70s? Not quite seventy. <laughs> Not quite seventies. <laughs> but a cold front is coming through. I think Corey may have mentioned this 
last week when he was here looking at the model minute and uh i I said gfs i i tend to like the gfs thermals better than i do precipitation they tend to have a better outcome uh uh, better accuracy rating on the thermals than precipitation he kind of said that so let me just quickly go through really there's no there's little chance of rain tomorrow wednesday thursday or friday the high uh wednesday is 100 Now, this is air temperature, high Thursday, 102, high Friday, 100 again. Saturday, um, we're going to start getting a little chance of showers and thunderstorms ahead of that cold front. Uh, The the heat bubble is going to flatten, kind of move off. We're going to have some cooler air coming in. Right now, Saturday, chance of showers and thunderstorms after one, high near 98. But check this out, Sunday. Chance of showers and thunderstorms. Oh, they've upped it to 95 again. But Monday, the high, 86. Okay, well, 86 is better than 98 or 102. Yeah. And we're going to have chances of thunderstorms. But when they say chances of showers and partly sunny, that means it's not going to be a washout. That just means we're probably going to have a front lingering in the area. And Uh, the humidity is still going to be with us. Well, it depends on which side of that front we're on. Ah, that's true. Ah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the front comes through, it's really gonna 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 change it. So we're not gonna be in the the bleh of uh, whatever. A uh, Tuesday, the high eighty eight. So we're so by the time we do the podcast next week, we could be in some lot better lot better weather. Hmm. Let, let's hope on that. Well, we hope so. Okay. Well, let's get to the next segment. It's tropical. Yeah, we got some stuff out there. I mean, it's not really active yet, but today is August 1st. Happy August, Rabbit Rabbit. Darn it. You, you didn't I say Rabbit it. Rabbit. I forgot. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, you didn't say Rabbit Rabbit. Okay, enough of that. So, <laughs> my friend Caroline, uh, I think she listens to this podcast. If not, I think one of her, some of her friends do. But to Caroline from St. Louis. Known her since the 80s. Love her. She's the one that taught me to say rabbit, rabbit at the first day of the month before you say anything else. Before you even say your your first word, which usually mine is like, it's not like that. <laughs> you know, you've, yeah, you've heard me in the I've morning. heard that. Yeah, say rabbit, rabbit, and then the whole month will bring you good luck uh, if you're into that stuff. Okay, so uh, in the Atlantic, there's a disorganized area of low pressure about 600 miles southeast of Bermuda. Not, They're not thinking it's... It's probably not going to amount to much. The seven-day probability is only twenty percent, so it kind of they're watching it, but it's going to be moving into an unfavorable area of development. Uh, I didn't know this until I checked. In the Pacific, we have Tropical Storm Dora, the Explorer. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah people know that. <laughs> um, anyway, ma- maximum sustained wind, 65 miles per hour. Now, that's up from earlier today. That's why I wanted to check it right before. It was 60 this afternoon, not 65. Moving west at 16. It's located about 345 miles southwest of Manzanillo, Mexico. Here's one of those things. I don't know if you remember this word, Gary. It's kind of our big word that we use uh, when a hurricane rapidly intensifies. Do you remember what that word is? No. Bombogenesis. When yeah. a hurricane bombs out, and, sorry. Well, you haven't been here that that on the podcast, right? <laughs> right. I, I don't. I didn't remember that word. I, I thought uh, I would call it rapid intensification. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is true. And then the, the cool thing is like uh, is bombogenesis when these hurricanes and we've seen these hurricanes bombing out. A lot more in the past five years with this climate change, things are getting warmer. Bam! I mean, these these things. And a definition of a of a of bombogenesis is when the pressure, internal pressure of a hurricane, changes more than twenty four millibars in twenty four hours. And that's what they're expecting this thing to do. So they said rapid intensification over the next twenty four to thirty six hours, and by Thursday morning, a major. Hurricane is is forecasted. That's a Cat three, three or at, better or better. Wind speeds of at least one hundred eleven miles an hour. It's one one one. So that's where I remember Cat three. <laughs> yeah. So this thing is going to bomb out big time. Um, 
And I think that's our first one. We've ha- we haven't had them really bomb yet. Uh, but we're in August, and August and September is yeah. We've got to watch. September is uh, August. I, if I'm remembering right, uh, Katrina was August, end of August. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because it hit right at our anniversary. Right. Um, but we've had some really big ones. I think Andrew hit in September. Okay. So, I know I was in St. Louis. That's 92. Was that it? I know yeah. I was in St. Louis because I was watching it on the Weather Channel going, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> in my apartment at West Point Apartments. I know exactly where I was at. I don't know. I guess it was traumatic for me to watch that hurricane. Yeah, September. I, I think the peak, uh, I have to check again because it may have moved. But I think the peak development of hurricanes has been like the third week of September. But they seem to be kind of backing up a little backing bit Backing up now. a little bit now. And especially with this this heat wave, it's just insane. Anyway, uh, uh, major hurricane forecasted by Thursday morning. It's not going to affect land. It's moving west, so it's just going to be something pretty to look at on the satellite. And it will be, uh, I think I think it was Saturday. It's it's uh, Friday night or Saturday, and it's going to start decreasing and run into less favorable conditions. There you go. <laughs> Ooh, boy, we've been talking a lot. I've been talking a lot. <laughs> That's okay. It's a podcast. Don't you love that? Um, so I think I think I need a break. So let's get to the weather school. You want to do that? Yeah, that would be fabulous. Okay. This week's weather school is all about weather balloons. I really enjoyed making this one uh, because there's some really fun, interesting stuff at the end of it. So let's get to the weather school. If there's something about the weather that you want to know, stormed our weather school. The National Weather Service just said there will be a special weather balloon launch due to the potential of some severe weather developing later today. What's a weather balloon? A weather or sounding balloon is a type of high-altitude balloon that carries instruments aloft to send back information on atmospheric pressure, temperature, humidity, and wind speed by means of a small, expendable measuring device called a radiosonde. A radiosonde is a battery-powered telemetry instrument that measures various atmospheric parameters and transmits them back by radio to a ground receiver. Radiosondes on weather balloons can be tracked by radar, radar direction finding, or navigation systems such as GPS. Balloons that are meant to stay at a constant altitude for long periods of time are known as transosondes. Weather balloons that do not carry an instrument pack are used to determine upper-level winds and the height of cloud layers. A radiosonde that is dropped from an airplane and falls, rather than being carried by a balloon, is called a drop sonde. Specialized radiosondes are used for measuring particular parameters, such as determining the ozone concentration. The balloon itself produces the lift and is usually made of a highly flexible latex material, though chloroprene may be used, and the radiosonde hangs at the lower end of the string. The balloon is usually filled with hydrogen due to lower costs, although helium can also be used. The ascent rate can be controlled by the amount of gas which with the balloon is filled. Weather balloons may reach altitudes of 25 miles or more, limited by the diminishing pressure causing the balloon to expand to such a degree that it disintegrates. A parachute Attached to the end of the balloon allows the radiosonde to fall slowly to the ground at speeds less than 22 miles an hour after the balloon bursts. Each radiosonde contains a mailing bag and instructions on what to do if you find one. About 20% of the 75,000 radiosondes sent up each year in the U.S. are found and returned. These instruments are fixed and reused, saving the government money. 
For lower altitudes, a smaller ceiling balloon is used to determine the altitude of cloud bases. And for much higher altitudes, sounding rockets are used. And for even higher altitudes, satellites are used. Weather balloons are launched around the world for observations used to diagnose current conditions, as well as by human forecasters and computer models for weather forecasting. About 800 locations around the globe do routine releases twice a day. Some facilities will also do occasional supplementary special releases when meteorologists determine that there is a need for additional data between the 12 hour routine launches, in which time much can change in the atmosphere. One of the earliest documented uses of weather balloons was by a French meteorologist, Leon Tesserin de Bourg. He was actively launching weather balloons as early as 1896. His work was instrumental in the discovery of the tropopause and the stratosphere. Because de Boer's work was so instrumental, he was honored by having both a crater on the moon and a crater on Mars named after him. In the early 1900s, a meteorologist and geophysicist by the name of Alfred Wegener used weather balloons to perform experiments, which led him to discover the continental drift theory. He published his theory in 1912. His theory was met with a lot of resistance and wasn't accepted until the 1960s, more than 30 years after his death. He has also been honored by having both a crater on the moon and a crater on Mars named after him. James Van Allen, who would later discover our Earth's Van Allen belts, also performed many important weather balloon experiments in the 1950s. Time magazine honored him as Man of the Year in 1960. Imagine what you could discover by launching your own mission to the edge of space. Weather balloons are typically manufactured from latex. Latex is a natural substance found in many plants. Plants use latex as a defense against herbivorous insects. This milk like liquid can be extracted from trees, much like maple syrup is extracted from maple trees. Once the latex is naturally extracted, it is spun in a mold in the shape of the balloon and cured. Each balloon is then inflated and inspected for leaks and defects before being shipped out to distributors and customers. A little fun fact in July of 1982, Truck driver Larry Walters tied 42 weather balloons to a lawn chair with the goal of flying out of Los Angeles, following the wind currents over the desert and coming to rest safely in the Rocky Mountains. The balloons had more lifting power than Walters bargained for, however, and within minutes his flying lawn chair had shot up to a chilly 16,000 feet. Thankfully, Walters had an air gun aboard and he was able to shoot out. A few of the balloons descending safely into a backyard in Long Beach, California. It's nearly impossible to predict the weather without knowing the conditions of the upper atmosphere. It may be sunny and quiet at sea level, but at 18,000 feet, a weak storm system could soon turn into something more dangerous. By sending up regular squadrons of balloons to measure the conditions of the upper atmosphere, Meteorologists can keep tabs on brewing storms. If you have a question about the weather you'd like us to answer, then send us an email at stormdarweather at gmail.com and in the subject line, put weather question. Well, that does it for this edition of Stormdar Weather School. So that was a cool little interesting thing. Gary, I hadn't heard it.、I'll, I should have played the end of it so you could hear what that is. So I'll play it for you after the podcast is over. But since we're recording, let's just move on. <laughs> it's a、okay. cool little anecdote. It's a cool anecdote.、Uh, okay, it's time for In Other News. I've got、uh, a bunch of things, which is kind of unusual. Normally I have one or two. So let's just get to it.、Um, we all know it's been hot.、Uh, Phoenix. Phoenix, Arizona has now recorded the hottest month for any 
U.S. City. And I've got a quote from the uh, NWS Phoenix. It says, quote, It's official. This July was the hottest month in Phoenix on record with an average temperature of 102.7. An average, average temperature. temperature? So that includes nights. Well, I don't think so. No? I think, I th- I'm pretty sure it's, it's, a, it's a peak. It's a top. I have to. Say, I mean, that's all it says, and it says this beats the previous record of ninety nine point one degrees set back in August of twenty twenty. Uh, it was certainly a month for the record books. Now, wow, I, I'm wondering I, what I'm thinking. I don't know. I can't speculate. It, I don't know. I mean, it's Phoenix, Arizona, so it's hotter than yeah, you know, <laughs> there anyway. So I don't know what their overnight lows was. I I was guessing it was the average of the high temperatures, but I could be wrong. And you may it may very well be the average of the high temperatures, but I wonder because you know, hundred and twelve, hundred and fifteen degrees. Oh, easy is not uncommon there. Right. And that I mean what what is it uh Death Valley? Oh, that's one thing I didn't check. I got to ask Corey. Death Valley, they were thinking it was they were going to top 130. And I uh, don't know if they did. 133. I saw <gasps> they did? I, I saw the, on their monument there. They had you know, they have a Oh yeah, yeah, the, the, a digital thermometer on there and it was showing 133. Oh, I didn't know they that got was that. today. Oh, or yesterday, my. it was. It, I saw it today. Yeah. Okay, but I bet it was recorded Very yesterday. Recently. Oh my god, one hundred and thirty-three with a relative humidity of like three <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah. So it you know feels like ninety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the heat index is like you know way below that. Well, that's what I mentioned last week on this for the uh, thing on Sacramento. I mean, the air temperature was one hundred six, but the heat index was one hundred four. It was below, yeah. know, which is fine. It's still hot, though it's above 100. Uh, yeah, so that's one thing I got. Uh, the other thing, uh, the Arctic, it's like kind of a little fun fact. I put fun in quotes. It's a fact. The Arctic is warming four times faster than the global average. So okay. that's scary. That is scary. Um, the, okay, and here's, here. oh, man. The shallow waters... Okay, of around Florida, and especially the Bay of Biscayne, are reaching over 100 degrees. The water. Now, yeah. it's not the deep water. Right. It, it's the, the shallow water around there, and that they measured it at 103 degrees the other day. But that is really, really dangerous. That's bad. Um, because if you are in... Uh, okay, Water feels warm to the touch when it's over 98.6. Yeah. Um, Because your body, you are, it is hot compared to your, what your body temperature is. Oh, yeah. If you are in that water for a sustained period of time and the temperature is over 100, your body temperature will raise up to that level. So that's really dangerous. So in essence, you're not going to cool yourself off. No, that will not cool you at all. It that's will actually water. make you. It'll make you warmer. Yeah, hundred and you, you will never see a hundred and three. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Water and and I saw the guy at Weather Channel or uh, some other channel. They were they were talking about they had a, a gun the the thermos ther, what. Thermometer gun? Uh-huh. What do you call it? It's yeah, called something. I don't know. Because he said he uh, had... They're infrared. Yeah. That, 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 yeah, temperature gauge yeah. or whatever. He said he had a bottle of water, and it was just sitting there in the sun, and he took a temperature of that. And then he had another... Something else he took a temperature, and it was, you know, what it's supposed to be. And then he went out and waded out into the shallow water and took the temperature, and it came up back about 103, and he said... You know, people are just walking out in there. I'm like, I mean, I don't mind going out there, getting wet, and then coming back. Right. But still, that's but it, yeah. If you, if if you step out of the water, the evaporative cooling will still happen. Granted, the humidity is not five thousand percent. Right. Right. Unless the humidity is a hundred percent, in which case, nah, it won't, it won't help at all. Yeah. Because it's Florida. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Well, who knows? But you're right. Yeah. I mean, if you've, if you've got the evaporative cooling going on, that's why we're not playing disc golf tonight. The right. dew point tonight, another fun fact, dew point tonight in the Branson area is 80 degrees. 
And that's disgusting. Anything over 70, I, the scale doesn't go that high. It says 75 or higher. It's got 50s, 60s, 70s, and then anything over 75 is just considered oppressive. It's 80. I'm not, I can't go out there and throw because there's, my body can't cool itself. Right. At, well, you, you know, when, when we went out Sunday night, um, it was pretty cool mostly, but the dew point was way up there. Yeah. Um, even though the air temperature wasn't bad. That's and, the point, yeah. And you dehydrate quickly in that because you, you, all of the liquid just pours out of you. Yeah, because, I mean, the way your body tries to cool itself is it sweats. Therefore, you can sweat, and, you you know, when you get out of a pool and uh, it, it's low humidity and you feel chilly, even though it's like 90 degrees, well, that's because the, the humidity is low. We're out there throwing, it was like 88, 89 yeah. air temperature. Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. And we were walking around going, I can't do this. Uh, no. Yeah. No. So, yes. Yeah. Okay. And I've got a graphic that I found <laughs> that tells the uh, water temperatures all around the Atlantic. Now, this is all the all around the Atlantic. So, record warmth up North Atlantic. Now, this is off of Nova Scotia. Okay. North Atlantic. Yeah, that's north of Maine. 76.8. That's record. The Mediterranean Sea stands a record of 83.1 degrees. Okay. <laughs> the Gulf of Mexico, in the Gulf, the main water, record warmth, 86 degrees. And the Manatee Bay, Florida, 100.1. Yeah. And there's, let's see. Aver- oh, the average temperature. Why do I have a... Oh, that's weird. My cursor just changed into a magnifying glass, and I don't know how to make it not do that. That's weird. Anyway, Okay. Computer issues. I don't know. I think maybe... I hit, hit some button. I don't know what I did. Oh, no, I, I thought maybe hitting the wheel would do it. No, that's not it. Okay. Well, I'll deal with it after the podcast. <laughs> anyway, okay, so I got that. Now, the next thing I want to do, actually, that it's going to help that, so I can see this here. Uh, the uh, Oh, oh, here's something. <laughs> you know what a Swifty is? No clue. Okay, a Swifty... It's like a believer. A believer is a Justin Bieber fan. If you're like one of these fans that just follows Justin Bieber, you're a believer. I'm not. I'm not either. So a Swifty would be the Taylor Swift fans. <laughs> there, uh, okay, there well, are millions. Well, well I, I I do like <laughs> some of Taylor Swift's yeah, stuff. Yeah, her stuff is cool. Well, guess what happened in Seattle? She had a ton of fans there. Okay. Okay. They're Swifties, ton. I mean, like thousands, whatever. And they were saying, I think this song is Shake It Up. That's one of uh-huh. her popular ones. And they were all jumping up and down. They created a seismic event equivalent to a 2.3 magnitude earthquake. The size, the, what do you call them? The size, the si- seis- seismographs. Yes. Picked up. The equivalent of a 2.3 earthquake with all these Swifties jumping up and down. And, of course, they have them there because there's volcanoes close by. And Yeah, yeah and earthquakes on Seattle. Yeah. yeah. And it happened before. I think I was telling you at the weather school. It happened before, but I can't remember, uh, not with her, but like several years ago with some other group that was doing that. Everybody was jumping up and down. It, music was just stupid loud and stuff, and it generated, it triggered the the seismic it's called something. The sensors. It triggered the sensors. And I don't remember what the earthquake equivalent was, but she probably, you know, being Taylor Swift, probably set the record for <laughs> the seismic seismic event. Uh, okay, the last thing. Uh, no, I got two more things. Uh, the, uh, the all-time records for Missouri. Now, I found this on the uh, National Weather Service Springfield site. Uh, I just want to go through a couple of these. I didn't know this. Uh, I've had a couple of questions. Uh, okay, so this is for Missouri. Missouri, not Springfield, but for Missouri. Maximum temperature ever, 118 degrees on July 14th, 1954. Okay. In that, Union and Warsaw. Okay. And my parents um, talk about 
uh, the summer of 54. Um, I, I remembered them talking about the summer of 54 a lot. Oh, you mean the heat? Oh, it's yes. Ho- oh, gosh. I could ask my mother, so, Mom, I know you're going to listen to this probably tomorrow. 1954, well, that's, I think they've been married for a couple of years, I think. So what did your parents say? Um, they said it was just the worst ever uh, for the temperatures that you couldn't get cool. Wow. And, of course, air conditioning was not ubiquitous then. Really? Well, 54, I mean, I don't know. I was born later than that, so. <laughs> um, I, the first house that my parents had did not have air conditioning. Uh, the one that I grew up in did, of course. But oh, okay, yeah. The first house that they had did not have air conditioning. And I think they said that they spent a lot of time at my grandmother's house because she did have air conditioning. There you go. And this is 1954. Yeah. That's almost 70 years ago. Yeah, 70 years ago. Almost. Next year would be 70 years. Wow. Look how far we've come. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> okay, you should know this one. Okay. The, the all-time record low for Missouri was, do you remember that one? No. I don't know if you remember. Uh, minus 40. Minus 40. That occurred on February 13th, 1905. Again, in Warsaw. So, and I, I've known this for a while. Warsaw has held the maximum record temperature and the maximum low, the maximum high record and the maximum low record temperature in Missouri. Different okay, years, but and this and this <laughs> and this is strange because both times that it held those records, there wasn't a lake there. In Warsaw, yeah, that was before the lakes were built. The oh, dams were built. Oh. Boy, I can't imagine minus forty. Boy, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of something there. <laughs> wow. Okay, twenty-four hour precipitation. Twenty-four hours, one day, one complete twenty-four hours. Any any shot? What the max would be? Gary hasn't seen this this graphic. Seventeen point one. Very close. Eighteen point eighteen. That was in July twentieth, nineteen sixty-five, in Edgerton. So that's cool. Okay, now, maximum record snowfall in a 24-hour period. I have no clue. 24 inches, two feet of snow in 24 hours. And that happened in two places, <laughs> Cape Girardeau and Jackson, Missouri, okay. on February 25th, 1979. Is Jackson by Cape Girardeau? I have no idea. It, it would seem... It may be one of yeah. those little townships. And the last one, the the maximum record snow depth. How much snow was has was on the ground, the, the tallest on the ground at one time? Any shot? Uh, well, you know it's over two feet because that's a 24-hour. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go with 41 inches. Not quite. 36. So a, bit, so a yard, basically a yard. A yard. 36 inches of snow at one point. March 20th. Uh, and 20, 19th and 20th, they have two dates here, uh, 1960 in Union, Missouri, which is towards St. Louis. Yeah, I thought, it's in Franklin County. The, oh, that's Franklin? Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, and then the last thing, I had a lot of in other news today. Last thing, which I thought was interesting, today, today, August 1st, is the 30-year anniversary, we'll just say 30 years ago today, of the Great Flood of 1993, where the river gauge in St. Louis crested at 49.58 feet. Now, interesting fact, I was there. Yes. I was living in St. Louis from 89 to 98, so I was there. I remember it. It was wild. And that would have been when it was within, what, um, eight inches of getting up to the level of the arch. Oh, the base of the arch? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, because it got up to the top step 
but it never made it over oh. the top step. Oh, that's right. That's right. And they had to close it they, because the river kept rising. Yes. Yeah. I remember, uh, what is that? Right before you go into St. Louis, the place that always floods. It always floods. Uh, shoot, I can't think of it now. It's, it's You're coming kind of into St. Louis right before you can get into the metro area. It's on I-44. Shoot. All right. Eureka's there. No, it's but... past that. It's... it's uh, I think it starts with the why didn't I write that down? Anyway, it's closer. It always floods, but when it flooded this time, it flooded over 44. 44 was closed. Wow. So if I wanted to go to home to see my mom, I had to go this back way to hit the other side of 44. And people coming in couldn't because 44 was literally underwater. I'm going to think of that at some point. If I think of it before I d- write the p- description of the podcast, I will... <laughs> anyway, or I might put an addendum at the end if I think about it. Yeah, that's the the uh, uh, thirty years ago today was the uh, and that's record. just insane forty. And I I was going to look and see what the normal power pool, what the crest, not the crest, but the the level is at the Mississippi. But at forty nine, basically forty nine and a half feet was. Do you, you have any clues at thirty something? I mean, I it was way above. Its I, thing. I I don't know. So okay, well. Email us, stormdarweather at gmail.com, cause I, and I'll look it up, too. Wow. Do you got any other news? No, I've had not, enough. <laughs> not, not that I can think of. Okay. That's okay. I mean, there's, I do the show prep, so if, I just thought if you thought of something, that'd be cool. Okay. You ready to get to the last segment? Sure. Okay. Let's do it. It's the weather word of the week. It is time for the Storm Dar Weather, Weather Word of the Week. And, of course, we're going to give it to Gary. So, Gary, what is this week's Storm Dar Weather, Weather Word of the Week? Isochrone. Isochrone. My goodness, what is an isochrone? Uh, It's a line... Connecting equal times of an occurrence of an event. Uh, in weather analysis, a sequence plotted on a map where the frontal positions were at several different observation times would constitute a set of isochrones. Isochrones, yes. Uh, iso meaning equal. Even. And chrone, like chronos. Meaning time. time. So... Yeah, I-S-O-C-H-R-O-N as in Nancy E. Yeah. Uh, Do you know an example of an isochrone? I do. Weather Service does it a lot. I mean, just off the top of your head. Um, Not really off the top of my head. Well, basically what they do, uh, they issue this graphic uh, with with, uh, the storm is coming from whatever direction and they put these lines of the time it's supposed oh, to you know yeah. like 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 Kansas City to Springfield to Cassville at this time and then you'll see another line ahead of it that's a nice and they color code them so yeah to, well so they got to use their colors yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yep uh i have seen that those but i've also seen maps um and on models uh, you can yeah you can also see the isochrones on models um, so. kind of telling you when yeah the time yes. the time is going to be there cool so, huh yeah I was so glad I found that because for I, I go in these patterns when I do the weather word of the week like like June was the phobias. Yes. And I liked all those phobias. And I, there was the ISO month, ISO, there's isotherm, ISO bar. Uh, Isobar, I, I, tons of isos. So that was yes. Well, I missed this one. <laughs> I thought, oh, I want to do this one. This that's kind of cool. Oh my gosh! You know, I'm very fortunate that my house did not, to my knowledge, sustain any damage, and we, oh, we didn't. I mean, I've got big trees. Yes, I have you huge do. trees, and the way the storm was coming in. You know, I, I was in a good setup for that. But fortunately, we're we're not in a valley. We're kind of down a little bit. And my weather station, I think maximum was like 39 mile an hour gusts. Oh, I thought it was 34, or th- 34.2 or something like yeah, that. It was, it was, yeah, it wasn't much. Um, I don't think that was correct because from what I heard outside of my window when it was dark and quiet was a lot more than 39 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah yes, but okay. 
from the direction that it was coming. Yes. West the Northwest. trees would have blocked a lot of the wind from getting to the weather station. Maybe that's it. Because, I mean, I mean, disclaimer, the, the station is not next to trees. No. I mean, it's a, the station's on the east side of my house, and the trees are on the west. However, I see what you mean, because wind will decrease with friction. Yes. And there's a ton of trees to my west, since, since, the, since the wind was coming from the west, it probably may have done that. So that makes total sense to me. Yeah, and we know that the wind was really strong here, because uh, across the street, three doors down, there is a... You know, oh my gosh, um, six inch tree limb down. I mean, oh, I it's it's huge. It it it's it's amazing. You know, and I feel so bad. And I think there's some people still without power. But I mean, at one point, Liberty said there was uh, the power was. Uh, now this is just Liberty Union or Empire Electric Union, not Union Liberty. Liberty is now it's now Liberty, but it used to be Empire District. Yeah, it's the same company. Uh, all across South Missouri, 26,500 at one point without power. And I think it's down to, well, I hope everybody's got power back now. That was a couple of days ago. So let's keep our fingers crossed. So our nephew has been very, very, very busy because he is a lineman oh. out of Carthage. Oh, yeah. Joplin got hammered. Yeah. Car- Carthage, Neocho. Neocho. Where'd that come from? Oh, Derecho. Uh, Derecho. As a, and by it was the not way, a Derecho. Yeah. And by the way, uh, I've always heard it pronounced Derecho. Yeah. Uh, either way. Okay. Yeah. Derecho, Derecho. Um, it's probably Derecho. I don't have a clue. Tomato, tomato, you know. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, potato, potato. Potato, potato. And, but, uh, but don't spell it wrong. <laughs> no, that's not it. <laughs> oh, God. Like a certain vice president did. Okay, now we're starting yeah, to go off the rails. I'm okay. I'm a, I'm a, I won't go there. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Go. <laughs> I'll give you that. Anyway, oh, man, fun podcast. It's always a pleasure to have you on here, Gary, so highly appreciate it. Well, I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad that I could help. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Corey, well, as long as Corey is doing his thing, you know, I'm always looking for a cosign. I mean, now, his his late schedule is going to slow down. This was just a little bit of the uh, – it, something he's doing, he has to be there till 1030, and I'm not going to record the podcast at 11 o'clock at night. It's almost my bedtime. So are you ready to go out and look at some stuff? Yeah, let's let's go let's go look at Maryland's neighborhood now. So okay, so what we can say is uh, stay hydrated, stay out of the sun if you can. I'm we're I'm sure sure that heat advisories will be out on a daily basis through Saturday. Uh, cold front will swing through Sunday, and hopefully we're going to get a break from this brutal heat next week. Eighty six, I'll take eighty six. I'll take eighty six any day over the ninety. <laughs> Me too. Okay. Or hundreds. Yeah, get rid of that humidity. Get rid of it. <laughs> All right, well, it's time to wrap this thing up then. So be sure to look for us on Facebook at Stormdar Weather. Like and follow our page, and be sure to like or comment on our posts to have us show up in your newsfeed. You can always contact us through our Facebook page or send us an email to stormdarweather at gmail.com. Also, check out our website. It's got lots of cool stuff there at stormdarweather.com. Well, that does it for this time, so join us next week for the next edition of the Stormdar Weather Podcast. Okay, I looked at a map, and I figured out where that place is when you're coming into St. Louis that always floods, and that place is Valley Park. I remember if it rained a lot, Valley Park would always flood. And in that great flood of 1993, the flood was so intense, it covered I-44 and you couldn't go north, no, not north, east or west on I-44. So the township area is Valley Park.